happened over the past month. You have been in the sermon series in the book of Ruth, and, and it was about the story of redemption. Last week, you heard uh, that Ruth was able to experience this redemption as she would be able to continue the line of Abimelech um, through this gracious act of Boaz, who would serve as her king, kinsman redeemer. Um, as Pastor Andy stated, this is a foreshadowing of the redeemer that was to come in the person of Jesus Christ. The savior who would come and die and rise again in order that the world would be redeemed through him. And that by believing in him, we would be able to experience his redemption. And because of who Jesus is and what he did for us, and because we have experienced his redemption, we can join then in his mission. This morning, we look at his mission and see how we can join him in his mission by looking at the greatest invitation that Jesus has given to his disciples. Jesus was about to ascend into heaven and was leaving the disciples with some parting news, some departing words. You might say that it was his final instructions. Well, come on, we're Lutheran brethren. We would say that it was part of his greatest opportunity to join him in his mission. Why? Well, because we in and of ourselves aren't able to save anybody. We aren't able to convince someone about Jesus. But if we are joining Jesus in his mission as he is leading us, as he is bringing us along in what he is doing, we are able to see what he is able to do. We see lives being changed. And so we look at this text this morning from Matthew chapter 28. And as you might know, it's the Great Commission. We read in Jesus' name, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. But when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its truth. Father, we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts that we might grow in wisdom and knowledge of who you are and what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in him that we have life and have life that much more abundantly. And Father, as you have sent your son, you also send us. Not by ourselves, but with your spirit, with the words of Jesus, with his power, than to make disciples. So, Father, we pray that you would bless our time in your word this morning. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
So when we talk about the, wanting the church to grow, what do we say? How are we going to do it? Well, back in the 80s, we were just told to just bring people to church. Let them hear the sermon. That will change them. Then over time, there were experts who came out with these great church growth ideas. So we listened to seminars, podcasts, and went to all different conventions. Did you know that most of the people who attended those conferences or conventions went home depressed? They said to themselves, well, my church can't or won't do that. There was an idea that programs are in and of itself the mission of the church. Well, people will come if we have the right programs. We said that these programs would, would attract people to the church. But this idea led to something lost in translation. Programs aren't the mission, but programs support the mission. So what is this mission given to us in our text? Well, we find it in verse 19 of our text. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. This is how the church will grow. By joining Jesus in his mission in making disciples. Well, I know what you're thinking. This passage tells us that we're supposed to go. Well, where in the world are we supposed to go? But the imperative here is not in the going. In the Greek, the phrase would read, as you are going. The verb is a participle. As Americans, we are always going somewhere, aren't we? Sometimes we're going somewhere as individuals. Sometimes we're going as families. Sometimes in bigger groups. And sometimes as groups within the church. But we're always going. We're always running around doing something. As I've gotten older and my kids have gotten older, we spend half of our day driving our kids around somewhere. We're always on the move. But the imperative, what God is asking us to do is to make disciples. The real question here is, well, is God referring to us as individuals? Or is he speaking of the church? Well, he's speaking of both. Well, you're probably asking the question, how can I do that? I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too inexperienced. Or if you're thinking about the church, you might be saying, well, we're too small. We're too busy. We don't have enough energy. Well, in that, you're correct. You can't do it by yourself. And we can't do it by ourselves. But we can join Jesus in his mission to make disciples. And because we are on this mission with Jesus, we have Jesus' power 
And because we have his power, we are able to do this. You know, verse 19 starts with the word, therefore. And this word, therefore, is a very important word. It ties what Jesus says just before he says, therefore, to what he is asking us to do. So what is Jesus saying prior to this, therefore? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And it is on the basis of Jesus having all the authority in the universe that he says to make disciples. Would we be able to make disciples without his power? No, not at all. But because Jesus has power, and because we are on mission with him, we are able to fulfill what God is asking us. What he is asking from us. You know, take, take for instance, two pillars of the faith. And, and Michael read the first one this morning in the person of Moses. Now, Moses killed an Egyptian. And then he couldn't speak because he was tongue-tied. And yet, what was Moses able to accomplish? He told the most powerful person in Egypt to let the Israelites go. And then he led the Israelites out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. And then he spoke for God many times while he was in the desert. Again, this was somebody who couldn't say anything. Another pillar of the faith was the Apostle Paul. Paul had some feelings of inadequacy in his ministry. And yet people, yes, probably myself included, would say that he was the greatest missionary of all time. He actually said in his first letter to the church in Corinth, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom. This is Paul saying this. But listen to what he says next. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that same power that Moses and Paul had, guess what? Is the same power that we have. These men were helpless and powerless in their speech, and yet God used them to speak powerfully to a great multitude of people. So what about you? Does this mean that you will be asked to speak to thousands of people? Maybe. Maybe not. But God has a plan. And God has had a plan from the very beginning of time. He wants all people to come into a personal relationship with him. In this great commission, he invites us to be a part of that plan. And after Jesus tells the disciples what he wants them to do in making disciples, he tells them 
his plan. And this is a twofold plan. The first part of the plan involves baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism is at the beginning of one's walk with the Lord. And when we do baptize, we baptize in each of the names of the Trinity. Why? For each person of the Trinity plays a role in salvation. The Father's role is one of originator or orchestrator. The Son's role is a role of redemption. He brings salvation to fruition. And then there's the Holy Spirit, and his role in salvation is one of regeneration. The Holy Spirit is the one who changes hearts, who speaks into the lives of unbelievers, and gives people the ability to believe. The second part of the plan is in teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. The very definition of a disciple is a learner. And who is a learner? A student. Did disciples ever stop being disciples? Maybe after they left this world and entered heaven. Now, after we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and have experienced what he has done for us, we want to live in Jesus and what he has accomplished for us and live for him and to live this life as Christ calls all of his followers to live. It is being able to live in the gospel. And what does it mean to live in the gospel? Well, to be set from guilt and shame. And it's also the gospel that compels me and compels you to follow God and his ways. This also means taking up my cross and following him. But we do this because of what Jesus did for us. And the more that we hear from Jesus, the more we want to become more like him. It's because of what Jesus did for us that we don't want to violate God's ways. Like the Israelites had done in the past as they worshipped other idols, as they worshipped other gods, as they trusted in things that were man-made rather than trusting in God. As we have been taught his word about what he has done for us and what he has done for us and what he has for us to do, we then can share with that same news with others as well. Well, how is that? How are we able to share in this? Well, because of God's presence. The end of our text tells us, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We don't have to fear about being alone. As Eddie said earlier, I served a church in New Jersey and a church in New York, and so I had plenty of opportunities to go into New York City. And one of those times is New Year's Eve. I mean, you get to see the ball drop, and yeah, it's, it's fun. But 
I took the ferry, I took a boat over from New Jersey to New York City. And um, they only run at certain times of night. And uh, I was helpful to my friend who, was on, who had to take the subway on the east side of the city. And my boat was on the west side of the city. And so I had to beeline it to make sure that I got the last boat out. And so there were shortcuts I had to take in order to get to the boat. And this involved not so nice areas. Well, at least the way that I thought. But um, there were certainly some dark alleys. And, and I would just run from one block to the next because I knew at the next block there was going to be a light. And I couldn't wait to get to that light because I didn't know what was happening in darkness. But we don't have to fear about being alone. Have you known a time in which it was just as scary to walk down the streets of L.A.? Or when navigating the local mall? And how dangerous that might have been? But what a mess we are living in. Not that long ago, cars, churches, and other places were being broken into and set on fire. But there was a pastor that I know who said this, I don't know what to say. I don't want to offend someone for I am biased. But one thing I will say is this. I am a sinner and I am in need of God's grace. Isn't that something that we could all say? We could all say that we are all sinners and in need of God's grace. Isn't that a message that our world could relate to today? God desires for all people to know this. That we're all messed up people. But in spite of being messed up, people can have hope. We have a promise of salvation. We have a problem of God fixing us and fixing the world. We read in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And we can read of the same promise in Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because of God's love for us. Because Jesus came and died on the cross for us. God's promise for us is life. And so we don't have to fear about being alone. This promise of life was not given to us, not because we deserved it or, or earned it. We were sinners. But it's because of God's love for us. So we don't have to fear 
We don't have to fear about being alone. We don't have to fear of saying the wrong thing or turning someone away from the Lord. We don't have to have the fear of rejection. They are not rejecting you, but they're rejecting Jesus. Or you don't have to fear about being branded a re religious fanatic. You know, back in 1995, and my kids were saying, man, you're ancient now. Um, G DC Talk came out with a song, Jesus Freak. We don't have to fear about being a Jesus Freak. And we don't have to walk in fear, but we can walk in faith. Psalm 23 reminds us that as we are going through this life, Jesus is there. He is walking with us. He is walking alongside us. He is protecting us. He is giving us words to say. He is feeding us encouragement as we are joining him in his mission. If there is anything that we can stand on, if there is anything that we can depend on, if there is anything that could serve as a foundation for our making disciples, it is God's grace. The gospel changes hearts of evil, of unrest, and brings restoration and hope. God can change what is hurting in our world today. What a great message we are able to share with the world, especially in the days that we've had. God desires for us to be in his mission of making disciples. God desires for all people everywhere to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of his people. In our scripture reading this morning, we we read in Second Corinthians, we read from Second Corinthians, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly part of you, point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not in us, not in our words, but in Christ and his words. Not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mission involves movement. And as we are going, as we are moving from one place to another, whether we're going to the store, whether we're going to work or school, 
or as we are going to our neighbor's house or even to church, we are called to make disciples. Jesus invites us to help people come to faith and to grow in him. And we can make disciples as God has asked us to participate in making disciples of all nations. By his power, through his plans, and in his presence. As you think about Emmanuel, Lutheran brother in church, and you see your need to grow, be reminded of what God desires for the disciples, what he, God desired for his disciples. And see how God will grow his church as you join him in his mission to make disciples. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you have given to us in making disciples. And it's not like we have to do it in our own power. But you have all the power and all the authority to fulfill that mission in us. And all you do is to, all you do is ask us to join us in your mission. So Father, we pray that you would help us to join you in your mission. And help us to then carry out what you ask us to do in your power and in your presence as you are already preparing hearts and minds in the community around Emmanuel to, make, to, to receive the greatest gift that can ever be received. That Jesus came and died for them. That Jesus came and died for the world. And so, Father, we just praise you and thank you for all that you have done in us and for us and through us for the sake of your kingdom. It's in the, your, in the name of our Savior who came and died and rose again that the world would be able to receive this gift of salvation. Amen.